welcome to the podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. I'm guessing many of my listeners have not given too much thought to the impact of the economic recession we are currently in, but let me introduce you to an institution that really has thought about this impact because it has meant a difference to their students and in the location they serve. I wanna introduce you to Vaughn College in New York. It is a unique place to be a college athlete as one of its main academic majors is aviation. The airlines have been deeply impacted by the current recession and most recently have announced layoffs of 30,000 workers nationwide. My guest today is Dr. Sharon DeVivo. She is the seventh president in history of Vaughan College of Aeronautics and Technology and the first female president in the college's 82 year history. Vaughan is located in Flushing, New York, a stone's throw from LaGuardia Airport and the US Open Tennis Center. Dr. Vivido began her career as a director of public relations at CW Post Campus on Long Island. Then she moved on to Fordham where she served as the public affairs manager. Her 18 year tenure at Vaughan College began as the director of communications. She was quickly moved up the ladder to advancement and she took on the role of Dean of College Relations, Vice President of Student of Institutional Advancement, Vice President of Academic and Student Affairs, and finally Senior Vice President and then President of the institution. Wow, what a path. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Karen. It's a pleasure, absolute pleasure to be here. You have got to be the first pre college president that I've interviewed that has come out of public relations. That is a pretty remarkable career path. Can you just give us a little snippet of how that worked? Yeah, so here's the thing, you know, if you know how to write <laughs> right. and you know how to communicate, all my public affairs friends out there are going, exactly. <laughs> um, and I had to explain things that I had no idea what I was talking about in a lot of cases, as do a lot of communications professionals, right? You don't always know the chemistry thing you're writing about or, right, but you have to make it accessible for whoever that is. Right. And you know, you have to be a good listener. You, you know, you have to be able to sell and market. Usually public affairs or communications offices often have a, a tremendous role in terms of marketing their institutions. So, you know, seeing it from a student or a parent's point of view, right? So all of those things help you in terms of building teams and leadership skills and communicating well. And uh, so, yeah, so I think, I think communications professionals make terrific presidents, but I am very biased. Well, that's okay. And, and, you know, it's also about speaking to an audience and knowing who yeah. your audience is. Communications professionals make that a priority and understanding who are stakeholders in this. So before right. I get into some right. of the questions that I, I wanted to talk to you about, who are your stakeholders at Vaughn? Who are some of the people who really care about the institution? Yeah, so we've, like you mentioned, been around for quite a while, 1932. We originally started as a training institution. So um, when I got here in the late 90s, about 90% of our students were in, in an aviation maintenance-based program. And today that's about 30, 35% of what we do. So in that time period, we've added flight, we've added airport management, we've added engineering, mechanical, electrical, robotics engineering, things that are still related to our base of aviation, but allow a student to go into other career paths as well. And so we're definitely talking to a primarily first-generation college student and first-generation American. So Queens is the most diverse county in the country. 
and we happen to be located in that great borough of Queens. So we draw from that population. There are times in our history where we've been all German, all Italian, all Russian. Now our largest population, about 35% is Hispanic because that's the largest population in Queens, but 20% black, 14% Asian. We are, we are one of the most diverse institutions percentage-wise in the country. Wow. And so it makes for this really awesome melting pot predominantly male. We're trying to do better when it comes to that. Uh, about 88%, 87-88% male, who typically are drawn to what are generally very male-dominated fields, you know, whether it's a pilot or an engineer or a technician, uh, but do much better in terms of um, management and um, some of those, and pilots actually, a lot of women want to become pilots now, which is terrific. Um, yeah, so we've got a population of students, first generation college students, first generation Americans, their parents clearly interested in, you know, career pathways, what is this, you know, return on investment, value, extremely important. Uh, and then we've got the aviation industry. So not only, you know, being in the heart of New York City, You've got a major airport right across the street. You've got another major airport a couple of miles from here, JFK, Newark, all part of the largest airport system in the world um, and the most complex airspace in the world. Uh, and then there's defense, cargo, uh, business aviation. Um, and then our students who go off to fields that are very related. So because of our robotics, it ends up being um, automotive, very interested in us, logistics, very interested in us. Um, yeah, so anything that's got sort of that transportation, public utilities, power generation, um, even to the point now where we're doing things that um, medical devices, because it includes sensors and computers and right mechanical and electrical and those kinds of things. So, um, so yeah, so we speak to very much our local community, but also on a national and even international scale in terms of our abilities in, in aviation specifically. It's pretty remarkable. And when I reached out to you about a month ago, just to check in and see how things were going, any tips for future presidents or senior <laughs> leaders during this COVID-19 pandemic, uh, you know, you came back with some really good information. Just give us a general sense how Vaughn is managing the pandemic athletically and financially. Yeah, so I'll start with the financially piece. So <clears throat> we are located in one of the in the zip code that was hardest hit in the early days of COVID. Uh, very heavily um, Hispanic and minority community, and um, also high levels of poverty in this particular area. And our average family income for our students is a little less than forty thousand, which is pretty remarkable considering where we are. And many of our students both they and their parents uh, work in the service industry. So particularly hard hit over the last eight months, uh, we're down about 11% in enrollment. Uh, many students told us somebody in the household lost a position. Uh, so, you know, families are having a really tough time right now. We do a student emergency assistance fund. We normally see somewhere between, you know, 15 and 25 requests. We're up over 110 requests just in the last eight months. We've moved to a food pantry, not unlike lots of institutions. We, we stayed open um, to give students access to the food pantry. We left the residence hall open because home wasn't necessarily a great place to study because there were too many siblings in the house fighting over one computer or not great access to Wi-Fi, right? Those kinds of issues. Um, you know, we were putting out information early about 
how to get access to unemployment benefits and how to get to food options that were available in the city and qualify for SNAP benefits and all those kinds of things. Just really thinking holistically about what would help students. And then in terms of athletics, right? So we have a really ingenious um, student affairs team, athletics department specifically. So we've got three full-timers for our seven sports teams and they started right in April doing athletic Zoom classes for everybody, right? They immediately switched gears. And part of it was motivated by keeping their teams in shape <laughs> because they were, right? Remember, originally we all thought this was going to be about two weeks, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so they were very much about, you know, it's practically a conditioning class, right? Right. Um, and I had all these big, we all had these big plans, right? I was going to get in shape. I made one class. They nearly killed me. I swore <laughs> if they told anybody, I would, I would cut the budget. No, I'm kidding. Um, I was so out of breath. It was hysterical. Uh, and then they wanted me to say something at the end of class. And I was like, oh, that was, that was great. But I have to say they did, they did some amazing, um, you know, things right from the very beginning. And I was really proud of them in terms of wanting to stay connected uh, to their athletics teams. And then I guess about mm, late July, early August, you know, when the governor, uh, Governor Cuomo has been, you know, pretty exacting about what he wants and what he doesn't want in the state, which has been very helpful, I have to say. It's much easier to know what we can do than to try to figure it out on our own. So um, he was very clear about you know, what he was going to allow and what he wasn't going to allow. And so the Hudson Valley Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, which we are members of, made the decision that we were not going to have sports uh, for the fall, um, which I think everybody felt most comfortable with. I mean, even in late July and early August, we were still all unsure about how do you get it? Should we have, can they sweat near each other? What, how does the transmission work? And so it felt much safer um, to to not have a um, an athletics um, competition, any athletics competition this fall. Now, I will say they have very much kept up with the the Zoom classes, and we've done some outside things using our parking lot. <laughs> so we'll do Zumba classes, we've done yoga classes, and all of this is to sort of keep track of our our athletes and keep them connected. Yeah, keeping them connected. You know, you mentioned that so many of your families come from, from uh, a situation where one wage earner or more has lost their job. And when you go back and look at the airline industry right now, as I mentioned earlier, 30,000 airline employees have laid off nationally this month alone. What kind of tension does that create on campus for you, the faculty, the staff, and the coaches? I mean, you are really on the front line. Yeah, I mean, we are working really hard to make sure that people um, know that this is a dip. We've had these before. We will be back, right? So, you know, normally you would probably hear a, a low rumble <laughs> because that's how close I sit to the end of runway 04. And they're down <laughs> 70, 75% on traffic. Um, and they've got this beautiful new terminal that just opened to like nobody, um, which is so sad because we spent years dealing with the traffic and the, and it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. It's a huge upgrade for those of you that fly in and out of LaGuardia Airport. And they're finishing the second phase of that as well. Uh, you know, a lot of our students work across the street or work at JFK or work in something related while they're students. And so it's a lot of this is about making sure that students understand that this is a temporary issue and we will be back. There was a report put out about hmm, 
10 days ago, and it's a Boeing forecast, and it's for the next 20 years. And they do this on an annual basis and make adjustments. And that report really said, look, the next three years are probably going to be tough before we're back to where we were. And we don't need to be back to where we were in, in January and February, which, by the way, was going to be the best quarter on record wow. before the coronavirus wow. hit. Um, we don't have to be all the way back to there to be doing well, <laughs> right? Things just have to be moving. I think the next 18 to 24 months are going to see the most difficulty. Um, you know, just some of the intelligence I get, the southwest of the world are probably going to come back a little faster because they're only the, the travel um, uh, population, whereas some of the legacy carriers like the Americans and Deltas and United are going to have a little tougher time getting all the way back because of business travel being a big part of what their market share is. Gotcha. And that's going to take a little longer to come back. But, you know, I think those of us that like having meetings in person, we're all itching <laughs> to get back to that. Um, and I think there's going to be, there is a real pent up demand just to go someplace, right? So, um, so I think we're going to see, and business aviation is doing really well. They're 85% of the way back. Uh, cargo, um, as I said to you earlier, thank you to everybody that buys something on Amazon or gets something delivered. That's a huge help. And defense, um, you know, the federal government is putting quite a bit of money into defense, and that's keeping companies like Pratt & Whitney and GE, which have large defense divisions, they're able to offset now the downturn on the commercial side. So, so there are some bright spots. Um, we were never going to, you know, meet the demand for the next 20 years in terms of maintenance technicians and pilots and engineers. And there's going to be a little lull and then they're going to be back because a lot of the people that are working in those industries right now are taking furloughs and retirement. Yeah. And so they're going to be gone forever. And so when the demand picks back up, there's going to be this ongoing tremendous need. So it will be back. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's just, I think, you're right about the long-term prospects. I mean, I think they are good, but the short-term implication, do you have uh, many faculty or staff members who've been impacted by someone in their family being laid off or furloughed and they've had to make adjustments in their work life on campus because of it? Yeah, so it's been somewhat of an impact for adjuncts, particularly those in the, in the flight, on the flight side. So we're very fortunate in that. We've got some terrific adjuncts who are actively working in the field. So whether they're working for Sikorsky or flying for JetBlue or, right? Um, and so some of this makes it a little easier to pick up faculty members, right? <laughs> when we're competing with aviation for faculty members, sometimes for those very technical fields, um, they'll say, no, I'll make more money working for an airline than I will adjuncting for you. <laughs> so right now that's not as hard. So that's a little bit of a help. Um, so we've got a little more flexibility in terms of our flight and, uh, and piloting groups. Um, and then a lot of our folks, um, you know, so I know for some of the major manufacturers, right, they're not working one day a week, but they're still working, yeah. right? Yeah. We yeah. offer lifelong placement. So we've got a situation where we've had some alums come back and say, hey, you know, I'm going to get laid off. And we're trying to get them to think about those areas that are really growing and are in desperate need, right? So cargo, Atlas, um, FedEx, you know, all those places are really looking for people. So trying to steer them in the right direction. Right. Um, so, and our, our athletics uh, coaches tend not to be from the aviation side of our okay. house, right? Okay. They're, 
they tend to be people who are either working at other athletics jobs and we're the part-time job for them, um, or they're K through 12 teachers or those kinds, or they just have a real passion for that particular sport and want to do something in terms of giving back right. to students. Right. So that not the athletics coach is not quite as much as say the in-classroom piece. Okay. Okay. You wrote something in your welcome letter on the website, which jumped out at me. And I thought, this is a really interesting statement. Vaughn is ranked number one in the nation in upward mobility in a study published in the New York Times. And you were the best at helping students move from the lower income brackets to the top. Help our listeners understand why that is such an important metric. Yeah, so this is this is the Chetty work. If folks are familiar with Raj Chetty, the work that he did a couple of years ago as part of the Equality of Opportunity Project. And he actually looked at students 15 years after they had left an institution. So not right as soon as you graduate, there's something special about when you're 35 and 36 and what that means for the rest of your life. And he pulled IRS tax records and matched them with the student transcript. And out of 21, a little over 2,100 institutions, we were the best at moving students from the bottom 40% in income to the top 40% in income, wow. which was which was kind of amazing. Well, the whole thing was amazing because nobody knew the, the study was going on. And then it shows up on the New York Times site. And one of my friends from uh, CUNY, from Lehman calls me because they were, I think, number four and says, hey, you know, you made this list, you know, on upward mobility. And I'm thinking, what are you talking about, right? <laughs> So I go look at this study and I'm like, holy smoke, right? And it's that ability to take a student and their family who are very much interested in a value. What am I going to get for this degree, right? That, that's, you know, that tends to be the questions at open house. What's the job prospects look like? Where can they get a degree? You know, where are they going to get their first job? What kind of opportunities are you going to give them while they're still in school? And to say to, you know, those folks, look, here's the proof that making the investment in a bond education, you're going to be okay, right? Because we not only change that student's story, we change the whole family story, right? We're now, they're now a college going family. You have um, those students who graduated from us making sure that their younger brothers and sisters and other um, members of the family are getting an education, not necessarily a bond, but saying, hey, look, this is this is worth the investment. I know this is going to work out. This is why I think you need to invest in education. Um, and so it was proof for us that the transformation that we're trying to accomplish is happening, yeah. right? So it's yeah. been incredible. Very much a, a reward on that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Shifting a little bit to athletics and the athletic yeah. conference that you're in, you mentioned it early, the, uh, earlier, the Hudson Valley Conference. What is mm -hmm. uh, their and yours philosophy around competition, who you compete against, how many games you like to play, the kinds of students your coaches recruit? I know you mentioned you have seven sports, but also if these are motivated first-generation students, do they make time for athletics or are they working three jobs and going to school and helping their families, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> yeah, so it's the Hudson Valley Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. It's changed over the years in, in terms of who the members are. They tend to be uh, very specialized, mostly specialized institutions, not always, but they tend to be. So Culinary Institute, um, uh, Albany College of Pharmacy was in at one point. 
Berkeley. Um, the right now there's a not Cal Berkeley, not Cal. Berkeley. No, 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 no. <laughs> Berkeley College uh, in, in in the metropolitan um, right. Web Web College, which does um, naval architecture. Um, SUNY College of Environmental Science. That's a fairly new one. Um, the King's College, Five Towns. Five Towns College does um, mostly sound engineering, things okay. like that. So they tend to be very specialized institutions. Uh, and, you know, it depends on the sport. You know, basketball, we're doing, you know, 16 to 22 games a season. Cross country, we're doing four to five meets plus some tournaments at the end. So maybe six meets altogether. Soccer's 10 to 12. Um, yeah, so it kind of it, it varies based on the sport. Um, and what's nice is you have very sort of similarly, you know, students are very focused on their professional lives, their educational investment. And now it's very funny because we've kind of changed philosophies over the years about who we go recruit. So we used to go looking for sort of second chance, right? Students who had not done well at other institutions who really wanted to do something athletically. The problem was they weren't really here to do school, right? So it's <laughs> stick. I'm just gonna be totally honest with you here. And so the word the word back to our athletics team was, look, um, we need to recruit students who wanna be here. That's really their primary purpose. And so now we're recruiting students who are interested in the types of degree programs that we offer, you know, want to be <clears throat> in any, in aviation or engineering or management or technology fields, but who also want a really good athletics experience because they enjoyed it in high school or something they really enjoy doing and want to be with a set of like-minded students. Now, I know if I asked our coaches, because they've complained to me about this before, they are very busy. And so they, our coaches have to walk a very fine line between figuring out where were you legitimately busy and working and doing school and where were you just not wanting to come to practice, right? So this is part of the challenge. Now, I would be, I should have asked them this in, in time for this conversation is, are they finding it easier to do training because they can get them on Zoom because you can get them when they're home and right. I wonder if they're having an easier time connecting in Zoom now that they can get them sort of when they're free. Yeah, because uh, that's been true for class, right? Attendance is way up. That's not just true at Vaughn. I know that's true at a lot of places, right? right? right. Where attendance is up for class because it's they don't have to get to us. It's right here. So, um, so yeah. So for sure, it's a challenge in terms of the practice piece. Um, yeah, I, I, but uh, yeah. Do you only play four-year schools or do you occasionally play community colleges? We will occasionally scrimmage a community okay. college okay. in the area. Um, but when it comes to conference play, they're all four-year institutions. Got it. Um, and I, I know we didn't talk about USCAA, the United States um, Collegiate Athletic Association. So um, that's also very, tends to be small colleges who are very interested in um, national recognition in a way, but, and also student recognition, athlete recognition, right? So, you know, you're sort of MVP, you know, who did well in terms of grade point average and playing athletics, those kinds of things. So it gives us another avenue to, to recognize students and give them that notoriety that they, they might not get at a, a small institution like ours. I'm glad you brought up the USCAA because I don't think a lot of people know about that association. It is a, a mm -hmm. postseason 
only organization, no rules. They just run tournaments basically, mostly for schools that have 1500 students or less. Um, and, mm -hmm. but there are some schools that are larger, like how many students are, are at Vaughan? So yeah, so we're in that 15 to 1600 range most yeah. years, right? So, so, um, so it's perfect for us. Prototypical USCAA, and they'll have conference, yeah. you know, championships if you can make it. It's 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 one of those things where they're not going yeah. to pay for you to go there, but if you can come to Vermont the second weekend in November, we're going to host a national championship, and you're welcome. <laughs> it's very different philosophy. Right, exactly. So it's, but it meets, yeah. but it meets it's all those a way objectives. to add athletic value. Right. Yep, it's a way to add value to what we do and get to places we would never get by ourselves, right? So, and um, see teams that you normally wouldn't see. Yeah, correct, right, yeah. right. And yeah. I love the fact that we can get some students recognized for their academic and their athletic ability, right? Well, that's one of the things that I really like about the things that they do. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, Tell us a little bit more about presidential oversight, if there is much in the in the um, association in the, in the conference, the Hudson Valley Conference. Is there yeah. much involvement? From so the when I no, no, there's not. And so I had more involvement when I was the VP for Student Affairs, because <laughs> because then, then I would actually go to some of the meetings. Okay. Right. Um, and uh, there was a little more, you know, I think once a year I would go to coaches meetings, but they tend not to really look at, because they're not strict rule, you know, I mean, there's rules that we go by division three rules, basically, okay. um, like we were in an NCAA. And that's why the conference keeps changing is because there are a bunch of schools who have made the jump, right? So College of Mount St. Vincent went division three. Um, St. Joseph's went division three. Um, so they'll use this as the place to sort of get their sea legs and then move into a division three sport. Um, so that's why it's changed so much over the years. And I would assume it will, we're actually one of the, of the current group. It's like us, Berkeley and Culinary Institute have stayed pretty constant. Um, okay. I would assume Culinary Institute kind of in the same boat as us, right? In that this is a nice to have, piece of who they are as an institution, but it's not something where they're really going to spend lots of time and energy, right? They're, they're going to build a new restaurant before they're going to build an athletics facility, <laughs> right? right? So, right, right, right. Um, you know, kind you of bring, yeah. You bring up a very interesting um, pivot point for institutions who are trying to decide what they want to be when they grow up sometimes. Sometimes you're really happy with where your institution is and who you are. And other times institutions feel right. like they can't be competitive unless they have that NCAA brand attached to their athletics program. Yeah. Um, have you ever felt that tug? Or do you feel like we know who we are, this is who we are? So it's very funny because our, our last president who I worked for for many, many years, who I thought the world of, really wanted us to make that move. And I didn't agree with them. Um, because, and, and just to be completely honest, I would rather our resources go to making that student successful academically, because we're talking about students who come to us, you know, fairly unprepared in terms of math and science in particular, which except for um, our management program, they all take Calc 1. Our management students are taking statistics, right? Many of them have to get to Calc 3, linear algebra, differential equations, physics, Sometimes, the, depending on whether it's a technician or it's an engineer, sometimes the physics is calculus-based. And 
that's where we've really put a lot of our time, energy, resources, talent is to getting that student to the finish line. And so for me, and because it's small institutions, you got to make choices. It's not like there's one big pot of money and we'll just divvy it up any, you know, whoever gets there first. It's got to be about graduation rates and retention rates and making students successful and setting them up to be successful semester after semester. And so for us, it was a question of where was the highest and best use of our resources, right? And and so that's why it's it's a complement to what we do. It's important for our students to have that recreational and athletic outlet, you know, and to enjoy competition and to learn team building skills and to be, you know, engaged with their fellow classmates and super connected to each other and all the good things that come with athletics programs. But the resource commitment that it would take to be at a division to be a division three NCAA school, I don't feel that Paul. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. My last question is always my favorite to ask college presidents, but um, uh, what keeps you up at night looking going forward here? What's on your radar? Well, for us right now, it's really about, you know, could next year please not be worse than this year? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, that's, I mean, I think everybody's thinking that right yeah. now. Yeah. This has been such a challenging year in terms of um, needing to constantly be in the pivot mode while still serving students really well and to not because you can't see them and because you have to be really intentional about connecting and hoping that you're getting back what's actually going on in their lives in a way that you know you can't always I can't interview them right um, I can't stop them in the hallway and say oh how's it going or right it, it has to be much more intentional and and um, outreach driven and support driven is that you know I want to do the best that we can for our students so that they can get through this rough patch in the best shape possible and come out the other side with us. So, and you know we will survive. It's not a question of that. It's just how hard's it going to be, <laughs> you know? And right, we were already facing a demographic decline in the Northeast before this happened. We were doing very well because there was such huge demand in aviation and engineering. Um, but we were, you know, it was harder to attract, uh, traditional age students right now. And we were, you know, every institution in this area is, is beating each other up to try, to try to throw somebody a few extra dollars to get them to come to their institution. Right. And right. institutions really want the students I have right now. Diverse populations are very much in demand. So, you know, that was already there and now add an entire pandemic and families who are financially struggling. And, um, you know, it's just about getting through the next 18 to 24 months in a way that that keeps us um, and our students stay solid and intact and and optimistic, optimistic and hopeful about the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's clear you have a passion for the institution. You really, really yeah. believe in, that you're a great fit for the mission and the, and the mission is a good mission and the students mm -hmm. you love, it's obvious. And I'm, I'm sure you love your faculty mm -hmm. and staff. Sharon, thank you so much for taking time. I know you're busy, but you took a few minutes to <laughs> talk with my listeners and with me about the great work that you're doing. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. Absolutely my pleasure and keep doing the good work that you're doing. It's so wonderful to have you know, a woman representing athletics and, and making sure that we all as presidents and as institutions really understand the role that athletics play in how we can do really well for our students. So thank you very much.
Okay, so I...